Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Spoken Edition of Wired. Brought to you by Quip. Journalists are calling Quip the Tesla of toothbrushes because the Quip electric toothbrush was designed from the ground up with everything you need and nothing you don't. Quip's electric toothbrush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses. Plus, a new brush head, floss refill, and toothpaste are delivered every three months to keep your brush fresh. Set start at $25. Get your first refill free at getquip.com wired. Get quip.com wired. A Brain Implant Restored This Man's Motion and Sense of Tush by Daniel Oberhaus It was the summer of 2010, and Ian Burkhardt was sizing up the waves as he swam in the ocean off the coast of North Carolina. He had traveled there on a vacation with a group of friends to unwind after wrapping up his freshman year studying video production at Ohio University. He prepared to dive into an oncoming wave and tumbled into the water. Burkhardt was a capable swimmer, but the ocean is unpredictable. The wave slammed him into a sandbar, and that's when he realized he couldn't feel his body. Unable to move, Burkhart was at the mercy of the ocean. His friends quickly realized something was wrong and pulled him from the water. He was brought to a nearby hospital where he underwent emergency surgery. Once he was stable, the doctors gave Burkhart the bad news. His spinal cord had been severed. He could no longer walk. The range of motion in his arms was limited to his shoulder and bicep and he had almost completely lost his sense of touch. After spending years working to adjust to his new reality, Burkhart enrolled in an experimental program called Neurolife at Patel, a nonprofit research organization in Ohio. The plan was to implant a small computer chip in his brain and to use it to improve the range of motion in his arms and to artificially recreate his sense of touch. It was a long shot, but Burkhart says the potential upside was worth it. It was a lot to consider, but paralysis wasn't something I was ready to settle with, he says. Now, six years after starting the study, Burkhardt is able to feel objects and has enough control of his arm to shred on Guitar Hero. Burkhardt's brain-computer interface, or BCI, was surgically implanted at Ohio State University's Wexner Medical Center in 2014. Not much larger than a grain of rice, 
The chip monitors electrical signals from Burkhardt's primary motor cortex, the region of the brain responsible for voluntary movement. A severe spinal injury impedes the signals from the brain that tell the limbs to move and sensory feedback from the limbs. In Burkhardt's case, the severity of his injury meant that there should have been a complete disconnect between his brain and his arms and legs. But recent neuroscience experiments suggest that in many complete spinal cord injuries, perhaps as many as half of them, a few wisps of spinal fiber survive. Even that small contingent of fibers can lead to a reasonable signal in the brain, says Patrick Ganser, a neuroscientist at Patel. Still, though the electrical signals corresponding to touch and motion are traveling to and from the brain, they're too weak for a paralyzed person to consciously notice. They don't feel anything, and their arm doesn't move. For Ganser and his colleagues at Patel, this raised an interesting possibility. If you extracted those weak signals from the brain, decoded their meaning, and relayed them to the limbs, you could bypass the spine and reconnect the brain and body. Researchers from other groups have demonstrated that it is possible to restore motion using a robotic hand and even send touch signals back to the user by directly stimulating their brain. But doing both at once and with a person's own arm remained elusive. The problem, says Ganser, is that the signals for touch and movement are jumbled together in the brain. Each movement or touch generates a unique signal, and the chip in Burkhardt's head takes in around 100 different signals at a time. We're separating thoughts that are occurring almost simultaneously and are related to movements and subperceptual touch, which is a big challenge, adds Ganser. To make it happen, Ganser and his colleagues used an elaborate setup that connects Burkhardt's brain to a computer. The chip in his motor cortex sends electrical signals through a port in the back of his skull, which is delivered through a cable to a nearby PC. There, a software program decodes the brain signals and separates them into signals corresponding to intended motions and signals corresponding to a sense of touch. The signals representing intended motions are routed to a sleeve of electrodes wrapped around Burkhardt's forearm. The touch signals are routed to a vibration band around his upper arm. First, Ganser and his colleagues focused on restoring motion in Burkhardt's arm without the sensation of touch. Burkhardt says the progress was slow at first and required him to learn how to think about moving his arm to generate electrical signals that could be picked up by the computer. Just being able to open and close my hand was challenging, because before my injury, I never had to think about what I'm actually doing to make my hand move, he recalls. But within a year, he had partially restored movement in his hand. It wasn't long before he had enough control over his arm to play a modified version of Guitar Hero, one that required pushing the finger buttons on the neck of the guitar, but not strumming with the other hand. Playing a video game that requires that type of multitasking, listening to the song, watching the screen for timing cues, and executing thoughts related to single finger movements adds another level of complexity, says Ganser. Burkhardt says that having the ability to move objects was fantastic, but he was limited without a sense of touch. Without this feedback, grabbing objects required his full attention. Unless he was looking at it, he couldn't say whether he was holding something or not. That's really challenging, especially if I want to grab something that's behind me or in a bag, Burkhardt says. Even when he could see the object, the firmness of his grip was out of his control, which made handling delicate objects difficult. 
adding a sense of touch into the system proved more difficult. Neuroscientists have successfully reproduced the sensation of touch in quadriplegic people by relaying data from sensors in a robotic prosthetic hand to a chip in the user's brain. The problem was Burkhardt's BCI wasn't designed for that kind of input. It wasn't even located in the right place. Touch is registered in the somatosensory cortex, which is located behind the motor cortex, where the chip was installed. Yet Ganser says the somatosensory cortex can be a noisy neighbor, and some of its signals were picked up by the chip. It was just a matter of finding out what they meant. To tease out the unique signals corresponding to touch, Ganser and his colleagues began doing targeted stimulations on Burkhardt's thumb and forearm, parts of his limb where he still had a very weak sense of touch. By observing how Burkhardt's brain signals changed when pressure was applied to his fingers and hand, they were able to identify the weak touch signals against a background of much stronger movement signals. This meant a computer program could split the signals coming from Burkhardt's BCI so that motion signals went to the electrodes around his forearm and touch signals to an armband on his upper bicep. Burkhardt's upper arm was also one of the few parts of his body that still had sensation after the accident. This meant that the weak pressure signals relayed from his hand to his brain could be converted into vibrations that would let him know he was touching an object. During tests with the armband, Burkhardt could tell when he was touching an object with nearly perfect accuracy, even if he couldn't see it. At first, the Battelle touchband was a simple on-off vibration device, but Ganser and his colleagues further refined it so that it changes its vibration based on how hard or soft Burkhardt grips an object. It's similar to how video game controllers and cell phones provide feedback to users, but Burkhardt says it took some getting used to. It's definitely strange, it's still not normal, but it's definitely much better than not having any sensory information going back to my body. Robert Gaunt, a biomedical engineer at the University of Pittsburgh's Rehab Neural Engineering Labs, contrasted Battelle's system to the approach being developed in his own lab, where a BCI controls a robotic limb and sensors on that limb return signals that stimulate the brain to artificially recreate a sense of touch in a person's hand. What they're doing is a little more like sensory substitution, rather than restoring touch to his own hand, Gaunt says. We all have the goal of developing devices that improve the lives of people with spinal cord injuries, but the most effective way to do that is totally unclear at this point. Now that Ganser and his colleagues have demonstrated the technology in the lab, he says the next step is to improve the system for everyday use. The team already has shrunk the electronics used in the system to a box the size of a VHS tape that can be mounted on Burkhardt's wheelchair. The bulky system of electrodes has also been reduced to a sleeve that is relatively easy to take on and put off. Recently, Burkhardt used the system for the first time at home, controlling it through a tablet. Given the invasive nature of BCIs, which have to be surgically implanted, it may be a while before these sorts of systems see widespread use among quadriplegics. Non-invasive BCIs that don't require surgery are an area of active research, but it's still very early days for the technology. Ganser is working on a project that is funded by DARPA to develop a BCI that uses a special type of nanoparticle to wirelessly send signals to and from the brain. But none of this technology would be possible without people like Burkhardt, who volunteer to show what's possible. My goal is to get this into the hands of other people with paralysis and see how far we can push the technology, says Burkhardt. 
The biggest thing that's motivated me is this hope for the future. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.